Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who has a vast collection of vintage DC and Marvel comic books, and ironically lives in Minnesota, where his favorite NBA team, the LA Lakers, originated, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. The next guest on our show today, he is the CEO of an organization called Golden Tax Relief. This is an organization that helps people and businesses with everything from wage garnishments to delinquent tax returns to bankruptcy and tax planning and tax reduction planning. This gentleman I'm about to introduce, he takes the time to carefully review every unique case and develop a plan to help with tax problems and to reduce taxes overall. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Ben Golden. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. You bet, man. Yeah, glad to have you on the show and get to, to know about your journey and lessons and actionable tools we can pass on to all of us. Well, I'd love to know first, Ben, about, about your background. I know we were talking before the chat and it sounds like you have been a, a enrolled agent here in, in the past and in, in your career and have kind of shifted some of, of what you're doing now. So tell us about your journey and story a bit. Yeah, so I sold a, an accounting firm I had several years ago and now I focus strictly on helping people with tax problems and also tax planning. So uh, what that looks like is, you know, for me, I had a tax problem. Number one, uh, the IRS came to me and said, Ben, you owe $171,000 of your client's taxes. You have to pay this. And that was, that was really scary because number one, I was a young professional. Um, I called my wife. I said, babe, I uh, I got to go back to work after I eat supper tonight, put the kids down, and then I went back to work. And I did a lot of research that night and found out, hey, the IRS made some mistakes. And long story short, I didn't have to pay. The IRS and, makes mistakes? Believe it or not. I know you don't believe that. <laughs> Government entities never make mistakes, right? Never. <laughs> so so tell us more, more about... Um, the the change for you so i'm curious to know so you were running a tax preparation practice it sounds mm -hmm. like why why right. sell it well, tell us about that decision the reason i sold it was for personal reasons because um we did about a thousand corporate returns about 2500 individual returns That's um annually so we were a medium-sized accounting firm and you know most of our work was around four deadlines you know 315, 415, uh, 915, 1015. So sure. almost all of our work was due, it was bottlenecked on those four dates. And leading up to those dates, I just had absolutely no time for my family, had no time for anything other than uh, working. And, you know, I decided that, look, it's time for me to make a change. Um, and that's essentially exactly what we did. Um, you know, working 80, 90, 100 hours every single week from 
you know, 2.15 until 4.15 and then from, you know, 8.1 until 10.15, it's just, it's just really difficult on the family life. So I wanted to focus in and I knew that I had a passion for helping people both, you know, from a planning standpoint and helping people if they got into trouble because, you know, I'd already been on that side of the desk. I already knew what that feeling was. And I, I, I just don't want people to get bullied, you know? Yeah, I totally, totally hear you. I know it's, man, those, those life decisions and, and making those changes are, are never, never easy, um, but that can be a big, big relief for folks. Um, I'm curious to, to hear about your perspective on having been on the tax preparation side um, about a software like a TurboTax. Do you love it? Do you hate it? You know, who do you think it's good for and who do you think it's not good for? You know, there are a lot of people that TurboTax is good for. If you have a W-2H and uh, that's primarily it, you do not own rental property, you don't, you don't have a side job or a side hustle. Uh, if all you have is a couple W-2s and a couple children, then TurboTax is good for you. Um, however, the more layers of complexity that you get, you know, the larger that it grows. It's sort of like an onion, you know, mm -hmm. to get to the core, you have to go through every single layer. The more layers or the more complexity that you have, the more a one software fits everyone is just not going to be right for, you know, uh, people, especially physicians um, that have a lot going on because, you know, physicians have a lot of different, uh, different types of passive incomes and different types of investments and things like that. So um, I think TurboTax is good for most people as long as you don't uh, have more complex items going on. And then you need to just seek out a professional. Um, while it may look like it's a little bit more expensive, in the end, they know the rules. They know what you can do. They know what you can't do. Per, look for a professional that has a good reputation for someone that has been doing it for a little while. You know, you want to make sure that you do your due diligence um, uh, today in social media. Go look to see, do they have Google reviews? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, talk to them a little bit about what their philosophy is. Do they do tax planning? Yes or no. And ultimately at the end of the day, I say, you know, you want to pick someone that does tax planning that can sort of customize your tax return to your situation. Well, it's, it's so interesting. I've actually personally um, dealt with a, a number of different CPAs do, doing what I do. And I find that a lot of them are not proactive at all. You know, they're, they're, you give them all your stuff and they input it in, um, but trying, especially as you mentioned, the hours that a lot of CPAs put in um, really can, can make it hard to communicate with them sometimes. And that, that's been one of my frustrations in the past is just been finding someone that's proactive and will return your emails and phone calls and I stuff work, like that. I work with a lot of different CPAs. CPAs actually refer clients to me when they have large tax problems. So I always tell CPAs, um, the, the greatest fear that a CPA has is to lose a client. Mm. 
However, did you know that the number one reason why clients leave a CPA or a tax professional is because the feeling of apathy, okay? They feel like the CPA doesn't care because they don't respond soon enough. And more times than not, it's communication as to why someone uh, actually leaves. You know, on the communication side, I think it's fine for me is if I get in touch with, with you know, my doctor, my attorney, whomever, and they say, hey, Ben, look, uh, I'm super busy right now. I'll get back to you in about two days. You know, I'm okay with that. Sure. Um, but it's just knowing that, look, they touched me. They know that uh, I need some help and they're going to help me when they can. And in two or three days, if they forget about me, I'll just reach back out. Um, unfortunately, because accountants are mostly reactive in nature, uh, okay, you give them a tax return. They don't do tax planning before at the end of the year. Um, they can only work on that tax return because it happened last year. There's not really right. very many planning, very many things you can do to plan to save money on taxes. Because of that, they, they react instead of being proactive and finding someone that is proactive. They're sort of a diamond in the rough. If you find that person, um, just make sure you, you hang on to them. I love it. I love it. Well, let's get back to, to your business and, and your transition. So you kind of, um, in a sense, maybe start from scratch in this business. Um, tell us about that, that part of the journey. Did, did you have some, some clients that you were preparing taxes for that you were helping or how did you restart? So um, when I sold my firm, it, it was, you know, cut it clean with a knife and then start all over fresh. Um, I had to do it that way. I could not go back to those older clients because I didn't want to, you know, step on the toes of the new people coming in. Mm -hmm. So um, it was 100% start over from scratch. And this, these are the statistics that I found. Okay. 85% of CPAs and enrolled agents do not want to talk to the IRS. The stigma with the IRS is still in such a, uh, uh, an unbelievable fashion that people, they just are scared of the IRS. They're worried. What about if, what if I get audited? You know, mo most audit rates are less than 2% nowadays. Mm. So, I mean, it's not that you do something out of fear, but most people don't want to deal with the IRS. Well, I've heard that they'll come to your house. Yeah, they will. But that's only if you don't take care of business and you continue to procrastinate and you continue to, you know, sort of stick your head in the sand and don't deal with an issue. Um, that's when the IRS gets a little bit more aggressive. Um, as long as you respond at the end of the day, you know, they're going to work with you. The problem is when you don't respond, let's say that maybe you've moved and you don't even know that they're trying to get a hold of you. Uh, and they've been trying to get a hold of you for a little while. And the next thing you know, they show up to your business and then it, it gets a little sticky. So walk, walk us through like who's somebody you typically help with some of these issues. Maybe, maybe you can think of even a specific physician example. What does that look like? Yeah, definitely. I have a <clears throat> physician that went through a divorce and he had a team that was working on everything. The thing is his wife was managing the team. So 
Um, once he went through divorce, he did not have the person leading that team any longer. And there were things that were missed. There were pay, there was payroll that was missed. There was um, quarterly taxes that were missed. And honestly, he was in a really difficult situation, difficult place, right? Um, and that's what most of my clients, um, that's where they're at because they're not bad people. They have just come into a really tough situation and, you know, they shut down. And while, you know, a lot of doctors, what I've found is they're givers, right? So they naturally just give, they give their heart away, they give their, you know, time away, they give so much in order to help that client and help that patient when they go home, there's really nothing else for them to give. So he really stuck his head in the sand and did not handle his payroll taxes, did not handle his, his personal taxes, you look up and two years have gone by. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where he was. And he owed quite a bit of money. Um, so we had to go through and s systemically, okay, these are the problems that we have. We need to start at this point. Let's clean this up. And then let's go to the personal side. And we were able to clean it up. I love it. So sounds like it, it's... Tell us about the process, you know, like, let's just say someone doesn't come to your, your office or your house, the IRS yeah, so, does it. So, I mean, the process is, you know, ultimately, um, let's say that the IRS does come to your house. Number one, let me tell you this right now. If they come to your house, you tell them, I don't know, I'm going to get a professional to help me. I want to get a professional to help me. It's just like, you know, if the police come to you and start asking you questions, you need an attorney, right? Same thing. You want a professional. Do not answer their questions. Say, listen, I don't know. Maybe I owe some money. Maybe I don't. I don't really know. I want representation. Okay. So the IRS has to stop talking to you right then because taxpayers have a bill of rights and a lot of people don't know that you have right to representation inside the Bill of Rights, right, for uh, a taxpayer. Mm -hmm. So number one, if they come to your house, if they come to your office, you tell them, look, I don't know. Um, I'm going to get a professional to help me, and uh, we'll get this taken care of. And do not answer any of their questions, number one. Number two, the IRS is not going to call you. More times than not, they are not going to pick up the phone and call you. And the reason why is because they don't know that it's you on the other line that they're talking to. Mm -hmm. It could be somebody saying that it's you. It could be an assistant. It could be, you know, um, the person in the front at the office. So they're not going to call you and say, okay, um, Dr. X, U O X Y Z. They're not going to do that because they can't confirm who they're talking to. But what they will do is send you certified letters. And if you get certified letters, you need to make sure that you take care of those as well. Yes. Yeah. So what, um, what is a, what does someone like yourself do? You know, what, give us, give us two or three things that to help us better understand what, what is involved with your job. So there's, there's two things that we look at when a client comes and we start the discussions of if we can help them or not. Number one, do I owe it? Meaning, do I owe the money that the IRS says that I owe? Yes or no. 
Hmm. Um, and a lot of that will come in the form of like an audit or something like that. If the IRS comes and changes and says, oh, well, you can't take these deductions. So the first question is, do I owe it? And the second question is, can I pay it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know if you owe it or not, that's one. And number two, if they say, I'll give an example. The IRS sent a client um, a bill for $870,000. And they came to me and they said, number one, I don't know if I owe it. Number two, I definitely cannot pay it. So I said, well, let's find out what's going on. Um, doctor, um, or they were audited for 14 and 16, only two years, right? The IRS took every single expense in their, uh, for their doctor's uh, office off. So they could not deduct, uh, you know, utilities. They didn't, they weren't allowing them to deduct uh, medical supplies, uh, wages for nurses. They took everything off. Okay. Um, and the reason that the revenue auditor, you know, the, the revenue agent said that uh, they couldn't do it is because they didn't have what they call proper substantiation. I mean, you didn't prove it. Okay. So we went back through and we said, look, you can't do this. Um, we were able to prove uh, a lot of the expenses and the auditor said, no, 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 no. You still can't take the deductions. So I said, I want a manager's meeting. So I, I met with the manager and I said, okay, I'm going to prove that your auditor has abused their authority and power and discretion. And I was able to prove that the auditor, the revenue agent, abused their authority, power, and discretion at the end of the day. Instead of them owing $870,000, they owed Mm $65,000. Now, they didn't have $65,000 to pay them. But, you know, there's an unbelievably huge weight off your shoulders if you owe 870 versus if you owe 65 right sure absolutely so 65 is something that you can you know over time you can do so i mean that's that's the perfect example of you need a professional to come in and say okay do you owe it and if you don't if if you don't owe it let's figure out why and then number two can you pay it and if you can't pay it let's put you on a payment plan that you know, you can live with. Mm -hmm. Mm. So walk us through maybe um, two or three hints that might help people prepare or make it through this process. Perfect. I love the question. Okay. So number one, keep your receipts. You should keep your receipts for at least seven years. If you have a business, keep those receipts seven years. The reason is because the IRS can go back in and audit the last three. If they find a material misstatement, they can add three more. So Mm -hmm. number one, let's keep those receipts for at least seven years. Okay. Number two, always, always, always file your taxes. The non-filing penalty is unbelievably huge file them okay mm-hmm. um, make sure that if you don't have them by 415 do an extension you know 
um, a lot of people say, have, uh, I'll give an example. Um, you've heard of Wesley Snipes, right? Oh, yeah. Actor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people know that he went to jail over tax problems, right? So Wesley Snipes went to jail not because he owed taxes. He went to jail because he refused to file taxes. Mm. So make sure that you file your taxes on time. It's going to save you so much in penalties, even if you can't pay them. Just make sure that you file your taxes. Um, number three, in relation to businesses, get someone to do your bookkeeping and know where you spend your money. Okay. And this is more of a practice management, best practices side more than it is tax resolution, but make sure you know how and where you're spending your money. Because if you know how and where you spend your money, chances are you can save yourself some money through management of expenses and things of that nature. So those are three quick, easy tips on uh, both best practices and taxes that you should always adhere to. Perfect. Um, what else do you think we should be talking about, Ben? What, what haven't I asked you about this area? Because I know you, you focus on proactive tax planning too, so I want to talk about that in a minute. But what about this area when it comes to um, the so IRS problems that people if have? There, if there is a problem, just don't procrastinate. Um, you know, we've always heard of the old adage, you know, don't be like an ostrich An ostrich puts their head in the sand, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if your head's in the sand, what's in the air? That's a good question. You're so, back. I mean, at the end <laughs> of the day, at the end of the day, what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave yourself um, out for a painful experience. You know, mm-hmm. make sure that you do your taxes. Don't procrastinate. If you owe them, um, work with a professional to get yourself taken care of. Number three, I would always make sure that, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you owe taxes uh, for a long period of time. What you, you can always, you always may be eligible to negotiate with the IRS there's a lot of different tools if you just owe. Um, make sure that if you just owe money, that is a civil issue. Um, on the other hand, if you choose not to file, if you file things that where you're fudging a little bit or you're, you're doing things a little questionable, you know that moves over towards a fraudulent or a criminal side. Uh, you don't want those special little bracelets. So make sure that uh, you stay on the civil side of the IRS. Okay, very good. Well, that's, that's all one part of your business. And I mentioned to you some proactive tax planning. So I know um, we were talking about earlier that I find a lot of CPAs are great at, at bean counting, but not necessarily proactive tax planning. So I'm curious to get your take on that. What, what do you do different than most CPAs would, would normally do for their clients. So my philosophy on tax is much like a dissenting Supreme Court justice said in the 1950s. He said, and I quote, it is your duty as an American to pay your fair share of taxes. However, it does not make you more patriotic to pay more than your fair share. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I personally believe that everyone should pay taxes. Okay. I absolutely love the military that protect me. I love the roads that uh, I drive on. And I, there are a lot of great things that the government does for us through our tax dollars. Um, however, um, I don't think it's your duty or I don't think it makes you more patriotic to pay more than your fair share. So to me, that means that the code is explicit, it's written, or it's implied, meaning that um, there's always a yin and a yang to the tax world. You know, not everything in the tax world is black and white. There's, there are a lot of shades of gray. So I would encourage someone to get with uh, a CPA or get with an enrolled agent or get with a professional that's going to put your tax situation through the microscope of planning. And when I say planning, I don't mean, uh, oh, well, you need to change this deduction here, this deduction here. You need to have a plan and you need to know how much you're going to pay and you need to know how you can and what actions you can take today to help you save money tomorrow. That to me, is what planning is. Well, and here on this podcast, we've talked about all kinds of great tax slashing things, everything from certainly paying yourself first through your retirement plans or healthcare savings account to um, tax loss harvesting to charitable contributions to setting up um, a side hustle of some sort. What do you think is something that maybe we haven't talked about uh, of the kind of things that I've mentioned that people aren't aware of okay, as now, good tax strategies. I'm so glad that you asked me this because I'm going to give you a nugget. All right. And a lot of people do not do this, but this is just for you. And uh, that way you can tell your physicians. Okay. There's, have you ever heard, heard of the Augusta golf tournament, the master's tur tur sure. Uh, golf tournament? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. So that's held in Augusta, Georgia. Um, way back when, many, many years ago, people would use the Augusta golf tournament to rent their homes out, okay, to people that came into, uh, you know, golfers and, and people that would come into uh, play at the Masters tournament, mm -hmm. okay. There's a very obscure rule inside the tax code that says that if you rent your home out for less than 15 days in a year, you do not have to pay taxes on that income. Hmm. Okay. Now, if you rent your home out for more than for 15 days or more, you pay taxes. End of story. However, tell me this, how many months are there? 12. Okay. And if you have a business, how many times do you think you can have a board meeting at your home and your business rent your home out? You think it could be monthly? Sure. Now is 12 less than 15? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Absolutely. So what we can do is we can use something called the Augusta rule. Okay. Hmm. The Augusta rule says that I have a business. I'm going to rent my home out to my business for a board meeting. Okay. The board meeting 
is going to you're going to have to actually take minutes and the whole nine yards just like you should in every board meeting but the business pays the homeowner the rental value of that residence for that day for that meeting now you have 12 meetings a year um, i have seen some people take up to two and three thousand dollars per meeting as a deduction that could get you between twenty and thirty thousand dollars put into your pocket as a deduction from your business and you do not pay personal income tax on it. How do you justify like even a thousand dollars to me is a lot. You know, how, how could you come up with a comp to say that? Okay. So that's exactly, I'm glad you asked. That's exactly what you do is you take the square footage of the um, let's say that you have a two story home. You take the square footage of the um, areas that are common and then where you also have your room. So let's say uh, that the total square footage is uh, 1500 square feet. And then you go out and you say, okay, I need uh, a one day rental for a comp. And you go to places where they have, you know, 1200 square feet that you can rent for one day. And that's your comps that you use. Hmm. That's great. I love it. What's another one? Give us another. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, that's, that's the one that I would say that a lot of people miss and it's the easiest one. Now there are some things that you have to do to make sure that everything is documented properly. Um, it's not as easy as what I just said. However, it is as easy as I just said, you just have to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's. Anytime that you want to save money on taxes, you're always going to do one of two things. Okay. You're always going to have to jump over a hurdle or through a hoop, meaning you personally need to make a decision. Is the red tape involved worth me doing this tax proactive strategy? Okay. So, at the end of the day, when you look at the different strategies that, that you put in place, and I like to do something called tax stacking, okay, tax plan stacking. What does that mean? That means that you take four or five or six small strategies, you stack them on top of each other, and at the end of the day, you save fifteen dollars or $20,000 in taxes every single year. Um, that's the way that I do them. If you want to get really involved and very, very um, sophisticated, we can. However, understand there's always a hurdle and there's always a hoop. You have to make you have to make the decision how much red tape am I willing to go through? Okay, so give me an example. I'll give you an example. Perfect. So, have you ever heard of uh, an office at home? Yes. Okay. There's something called an administrative home office. Okay. So, um, every single one of your physicians should take advantage of this. That means that there are certain administrative things that should be done at home, maybe after hours. Um, maybe not working on, on patients charts and things like that, but there's so many things that we can do remotely now. Um, so if you have an administrative home office and you use a percentage uh, of that home for your administrative home office, then you can deduct things like, um, you know, utilities or real estate taxes or insurance. We already know about this, right? Right. What you don't know about is, or what you don't think about is if you, if you use something called an accountable reimbursement plan along with the administrative home office, 
Now what you've done is your business reimburses you personally for those items, okay, that we've already talked about. But here's the key, right? Once you have an administrative home office, now the mileage from your administrative home office to your office that you work out of every day, now that mileage becomes deductible. Well, there's a few caveats, if I remember right, with the administrative home office is it has to be like its own sealed room, pretty much, no, right? No, it has to be its space. It has to be or a space. space. They changed the rules about four or five years ago. It doesn't have to be a room. It now can be a space. So you can literally take a desk out of a guest room. Now, it's small, but you can still take one desk or one small place. So it can be, you know, a six by six desk or something like that. And I suppose, you know, some people might make the argument that um, things like that are more a red flag. You know, you're more likely to get audited. What do you think? Is that, is that good advice, bad advice? I, I, I absolutely, you know, you are asking all the right questions today. Um, let's talk about the red flag and where we get that from. So there's something called a DIF program with the IRS. And what it does is it takes your personal tax return and it compares it against everyone else's. And if you have a deduction on your Schedule A, itemized deduction, that is high, okay, then it could quote unquote red flag you for the IRS to take another look at it, okay? So that's where we get the red flag from is the DIF program, okay? Now, here's the thing just because the IRS has given you um, through the IRS code an ability to take a deduction, does it make it more um, of a red flag for you to take that deduction? The answer is absolutely not. Okay. If you take those deductions properly, then it's not going to be a red flag. But Anytime you move further from a white into a black area, if you took a six by six space in your, in your house as an administrative home office, I mean, that's not really a lot of square footage. But if you took, you know, 72% of your space as a home office, that's where you start getting into trouble. So people say, um, is it a red flag? Should I do it? If it's a red flag, I don't want to do it. Look, I, that is not the way that I look. I look at this as the IRS has given you an ability to reimburse from the business and put back into your pocket an expense, an expense that's allowable, necessary, ordinary, reasonable, and has a business purpose. If it meets those things, you should do it. You just have to make sure that you go through the red tape to do it. That means that you have to document it properly. That means that you have to make sure that you have copies of receipts. You know, if you do these things, if you do the red tape, you're going to get the deductions. And at the end of the day, if the IRS does come ask questions, you're squeaky clean anyway. Well, it's, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, with being careful, right? Like that, that separate area technically isn't supposed to be used for personal purposes, I believe. That's exactly right. So with, with deductions like that, you know, you just have to be very careful of the rules. And if, 
you're using your garage <laughs> for that space and you're parking your cars in it. That's not going to count, right? That's right. You might have a problem there. Um, oh, and by the way, you cannot put, you know, your, your name on the back of your, uh, on the back of your Mercedes and say, okay, yeah, we're going to use that as a hundred percent deduction. We're going to write the cold car off because we, we put our name on the back glass. Right. So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, abusers and there's definitely ways to do it right. So you're 100% right there, David. Well, any other further thoughts, sir, as, as we wrap up the podcast? Any other, any other hints you want to leave with us? Don't let fear push you away from being proactive and saving money on your taxes. Um, and on the other side, don't let the fear of the IRS also stop you from taking care of something that you need to take care of. You know, if you owe money to the IRS, it's not because you're a bad person. Maybe it's because uh, you just got down on your luck or you made the wrong decision at, at one time. Hey, we all make bad decisions sometimes. Um, you know, it doesn't have, I would just say that, you know, take care of the business that you need to either being by, by being proactive or by being, you know, um, non procrastination, you know, don't procrastinate. Very good. And if people have more questions, they want to get a hold of you, how can they do it, sir? Yeah, sure. My name is Ben. Uh, you can go to my website, goldentaxrelief.com. That's uh, goldentaxrelief.com. Uh, or you can call us here at the office, 844 229 8936. All right, my friends, there you go. Wrap up another episode today of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Make sure to reach out to Ben if you have any tax questions. He doesn't prepare them anymore, but he does help you reduce them and does help with all these tricky problems that, that come up. So definitely check him out. And we'd love to thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle.